Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. We are recording August 9th, 2019, and first practice has just wrapped up over at Michigan International Speedway. But that is not the main story. The old yellow, white, and blue, number nine, Chase Elliott, has done it again. Two for two, that yellow, white, and blue, at Watkins Glen. A fantastic run. Many people are saying, oh, it's just hero package, just just hero package. To be fair, yeah, Martin Truex Jr. did have a lot of trouble getting to him. He said it was like a wall of air in front of him, but that's nothing new. This isn't even the first road course race of the year. They knew what they were expecting. They had practices, qualifying, and everything else. To take a win away like that from Chase Elliott, to take any credit away from him, that's that's kind of ridiculous because he got his first win there last year, so we know it wasn't a fluke. He's won at Watkins Glen before. He did pretty well at Sonoma until I think it was his battery died. I believe he was having electrical issues off the top of my head. He's a good road course driver, which nobody really expected, considering he came up from super late models and that whole ordeal. But hey, he can drive road courses. Had another fantastic win last Sunday at Watkins Glen. And it's been a crazy few weeks here for the podcast crew going to all the uh, the races, New Hampshire and Pocono. Planned on Watkins Glen, but just said that's too much driving. So stayed home for that, watched that one from home, and watched Chase Elliott dominate from home, which kind of sinks. I, if I had to choose favorite drivers, Chase Elliott would definitely be top three, just like many other fans, alongside William Byron and, oh, probably Landon Castle. Pretty nice guys there. Speaking of, let's just take a short time and recap that if you remember a couple weeks ago the podcast episode was Tom Ledgeman the Starcom Racing Spotter Landon Castle Spotter and you might be like why did you interview a spotter like you've never done that before yeah you're right and I didn't plan to I never thought about it until we get there I'm at New Hampshire and I have an 11:15 a.m. interview scheduled with Landon Castle for a bottle of you know we're going to talk for 15-20 minutes that'll be the interview good good stuff they treat me very well over at Starcom. They are the best people there, and I love having, you know, Landon on the show, their drivers on the show, because back when Jeffrey Earnhardt was racing for them, he was on the show as well. But Jeffrey Earnhardt, that's a whole other story that we're going to delve into as well. The Jeffrey Earnhardt debacle, I guess we're going to call that segment coming up. But So I get there at around 11 a.m. for this 11.15 a.m. interview. I'm early. It's also about 95 degrees out. And I've been up for a couple hours now because I did a radio show. I did a two-hour radio segment that morning with Bob and Bob uh, over with 1590 AM. I actually have the koozie sitting right here. Bardis Russell Broadcasting, LLC, www.wsmn1590.com. I actually put on a really great racing show every week. And I got invited to be on their New Hampshire show. So I went and did that. So I, I had already been talking for about two hours that morning. So I was pretty tired. I get over there and they're like, oh, yeah, come on, you know, come on over, chill with us, um, have some Gatorades and all that, just being the fantastic people that they are. And I get to talking with one of the guys there and, and I find out he's the spotter. I'm like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And he and I are having this great conversation. And come 1120 or so, they're like, okay. Land, we don't know where Landon is, but he's on his way over. I'm like, uh, okay, so you don't know how long he's going to be until he's here. Yeah, pretty much. So, no problem at all. I get it. He's busy. And this was Saturday morning? No, this was Sunday morning. This was the morning of race day. So, 
I, I, I go to Tom, the spotter, I say, hey, do you mind if I record this, this conversation? He goes, yeah, sure, as long as I'm not going to get in any trouble for it. I go, well, don't say anything you're going to get in trouble for then. And that was that was one of my favorite episodes to record in this podcast, truly, because he is just such an interesting guy. Worked his way up from being a fuel man, and then one day they needed a spotter, uh, another team needed a spotter, and they said, here's a headset, go up there on top. He goes, oh, I've never done anything like this before. Well... Don't say anything to make the driver worried. Just tell him where the other cars are. And he did. Apparently did a pretty good job. And that was back in like 2000, early 2000s. Like 2001, 2002. And he's been doing it ever since. So that was a really cool interview. And then Landon Castle actually showed up <laughs> in the middle of it. And I was like, well, let's get all three in. You know, we're just going to do the whole thing. Screw it. We're going to do it live. And that's what we ended up doing. So that was one of my favorite episodes to record. And the Ross Chassain uh, post-race victory uh, press conference was also really cool to record and be a part of. I asked one question in there, and that was... It, it's always interesting. When I'm in the media center, I don't like to ask questions because either I don't want to bring them off topic from what they're already talking about, so I usually have to wait until it's like a good time to ask something if I have one, or they're always in a rush because they're like... NASCAR drivers are like always somewhere to go, right? Like, always on the move. So, that was cool. Speaking of Pocono, that was a, uh, I went there, and the back of my head, I'm like, okay, this is going to be really cool. Anthony Alfredo is going to be racing it. We're finally, I can finally go to a race that he's going to be racing at, and, like, we're going to meet up in person and talk. And we had talked about this before. Anthony and I are, if, if you don't know, if you're new to the podcast, he and I are great friends personally. Like, I met him Gosh, it's well over a year ago, probably May of last year, maybe June, and we never got the chance to talk in person. We met online through Instagram. Back when he was racing K&N, before he announced anything with the trucks, he was just a K&N driver. At the, I say just a K&N driver, but he and I got to talking. Really cool guy. And so finally, I was like, okay, it's been over a year. We're finally going to meet, meet in person. I've been his iRacing spotter for who knows how long, and he's like, dude, this is going to be awesome. And we actually planned to meet up after the race and hang out then. And, you know, we we're going to, like, hang out in the holler and just chill and pretty pretty much just hang out, hang around for a couple hours until he had to go. Turn, not even lap one. Turn one of lap one. Stuart Friesen loses the car. Anthony is in the outside lane. He has nowhere to go but to go high. Four cars, four trucks try to pass Friesen, the spinning Friesen on the outside. The first three make it in. The fourth truck, Anthony, got hit into the wall by Friesen. He, he went right to the airport after that. They just were like get out of here, you know. So they took him to the airport because the hauler had already left and everything. So, that was unfortunate, but I did get to talk to him during the, the driver introductions. I, I happened to be standing near the, not happened to be, I went over to like the far end of the stage where the drivers walk off, and I went to the security guard, and I'm like, listen, when Anthony comes down, I'm going to say something to him. I don't want you to think I'm, like, harassing him, but I'm going to say something to him because I know him personally. And the guy's like, okay, yeah, sure. And I go, do you mind if I do it? He goes, all right, yeah, we'll see what happens. Pretty much, like, I don't believe you, but I'm willing to see this because it's like a truck race and you're not going. He, he was, a he was like, a club bouncer. Like, he was a big guy who easily could have taken me down. So, and I, I'm six feet tall. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy, and he easily could have decked me. So he's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. So I go, so Anthony walks down, I go, hey, Anthony, and a couple fans look over, they're like, is this guy talking to one of the drivers? And 
Um, Anthony looks over the guard. He's, like, looking at me, giving me the side eye. And Anthony goes, Jeff, hey, you made it. Because <laughs> I didn't tell him I was going to be down there for the pre-race. He goes, Jeff, you made it. So we go over, you know, give the guy a hug. I'm like, dude, it's so awesome to see you. And I go, all right, man, go show. I said something like, go show him how it's done out there. And then turn one, he racked. And I was like, oh, my God. But Christian Eckes, another regular on the show, another personal friend. He did well in the race. He finished fourth there at Pocono, which was really impressive after winning the ARCA race as well. So he was having a great weekend. I got to talk to him after the race, and you would know this if you listened to the Bottled Up special double feature and Christian was on the show. I, I posted that one as soon as I recorded it. It was like, we only got to talk for like five minutes with it being recorded, and the other, you know, we talked for a little while after, but he was in a rush to get out because that team always wants to leave early on a tight schedule. NASCAR drivers are always on the move. So, but that was that was really cool. So I'm glad I got to go to those races. I'm going to Indianapolis as well. And I don't have any other races scheduled that I'm going to. But we'll see what happens. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll be lucky and make my way down to Homestead or something. That would be very cool. But that's also quite a trip. So probably not. We'll see. The second part of the show is going to be the Jeffrey Earnhardt debacle. So, we're just going to start this story from the beginning. Jeffrey Earnhardt has been driving in the cup for just, you know, small teams, pretty much starting park rides. Like, he goes out, runs, they're not going to finish top 30 even, so they just go out, race for a little while, collect the money, and then go home. That's just what they do. That's the nature of nature of the beast. That's the game they play. And totally fine. Those drivers, it's it's a good training experience to drive a cup car. And so after that, he actually went and drove for Starcom for the first couple of races of the 2018 season. The first time Starcom had a charter, and before they had Landon Castle in the car and everything, Jeffrey Earnhardt went and drove that car, the double zero. Then something happened behind the scenes, and he's out of that ride, right? Landon Castle's in it. So, he didn't really do much driving for the rest of the year, but he did make a couple starts in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series as well. So, he was sponsored by a company called IK9. IK9 came out of nowhere, really. It sort of reminded a lot of people of DC Solar, who showed up out of nowhere, sponsored a whole bunch of teams, high-profile teams like JGR, Haley Deegan, IK9 sponsors, and, and people like that. And then they just sort of disappeared. IK9 hasn't disappeared yet, but... Earnhardt was slated to do a couple races in the Xfinity Series, mostly towards the end of the season, mostly towards now, and a couple races up in the Cup Series, with a lot of talk about JGR having another satellite team up in the Cup Series, because IK9 said they fully intended to run a full season in 2020. They never named a driver, but it was probably going to be Jeffrey Earnhardt. So, what ended up happening is, at Daytona, the July Daytona race, all of a sudden, there's some issue with IK9. And the IK9 logo is off the Joe Gibbs Racing website. The, all their logos are peeled off the haulers. Every, there is no mention of IK9 anywhere. And Jeffrey Earnhardt is out of the car. He's not driving. What is this? He was supposed to be driving a uh, JGR Xfinity car with IK9 on the hood. It's... It was it was very strange. It happened all of a sudden. People were like, DC Solar Part 2, DC Solar Part 2. And a lot of people really thought it was. It, it looked like it. It sure definitely looked like it. So what ended up happening then after that is just sort of like, 
well, iK9's back now, they're here, and they were all back on the car and everything, and the one thing we didn't see was Jeffrey Earnhardt. He wasn't scheduled to do any more races until, like, around this time of year. He's supposed to run mid-Ohio. And then this week, it's announced Jeffrey Earnhardt and IK9 have parted ways, looking for pastures new. And immediately, everyone jumps on IK9. Like, why would you do this? Because, you know, a lot of people like Jeffrey Earnhardt. He's the fourth Earnhardt generation to keep driving. He's a pretty good driver. He can do a lot with underfunded equipment, just imagine what he can do in top-level equipment. He almost had a couple wins. So, everyone's like, to IK9, they're tweeting at them, going at them, going, why Why would you do this? Why would you dump Jeffrey Earnhardt? And they were, there were some pretty uh, rude responses by IK9, not gonna lie, um, telling people to go back under their bridge troll and stuff like that. But then it came out, they said, this wasn't our decision. Jeffrey Earnhardt said he was done with us. He cut ties with us. We didn't do anything to him. His lawyers contacted us and said, "Get him, get a, you know, end the contract, get him out of the contract," and they did. That's what happened. So, and then documents came out proving that that Jeffrey Earnhardt was the one that cut the ties, and it wasn't IK9 that did it. And now that's where we are. We're just sort of in a weird spot. Someone else is going to be coming in and driving the cars for the rest of the season. They have one driver named from Mid-Ohio. He races over, he raced Indy cars and all the, you know, a couple other road course series. So it's pretty easy for him to get his NASCAR license. Uh, they usually don't assign them that quickly, but at the same time, he's well experienced in a road course car and all that. So he, he they felt he would do okay. And that's per Bob Pachris that he was talking about that. I don't have the tweet on hand, but, you know, if it's coming from Pachris, it's probably true. That guy is an absolute magician. With he's, he's a wizard. Like, it's incredible how much he knows and who he can talk to to get the information that he wants. It really blows me away. And to sidetrack a bit, I actually talked to him a bit at New Hampshire. I just, I, you know, I went up to him. I said, uh, we were standing by Alex Bowman's car, his his third car, his backup backup car, which was Jimmy Johnson's backup car. And I just went up to him. I said, hey, uh, Mr. Pockers, like, I'm, I really appreciate all the work you do. And, you know, I know you, I'm sure you hear this a lot, but I really appreciate all the work you do. It helps inspire younger journalists like me to work as hard, maybe as hard as you do, but it's almost impossible to keep up. It's really incredible how much you do. And, you know, we started talking, he thanked me and all that other stuff, just very... He's a very genuine person, very down-to-earth guy. It's it's really incredible because if you could take a look at his brain, it's just nothing but NASCAR, and I'm pretty sure... I, I wouldn't be surprised if, he, if he's memorized the entire NASCAR rulebook. Like, it's that impressive. And there was actually... I was talking to someone else who was telling a story. Back in, oh, I want to say 2011, one of the playoff drivers, their wife, was sitting up on the box, and they were not sure... If they actually, this had to be when they were doing rounds of the playoffs. No, it was to get into the playoffs. I'm sorry, it was 2011. So they were right on the edge of making it into the playoffs, and they wanted, they weren't sure. Um, the crew up there weren't sure on the point situation. They didn't go to NASCAR. They didn't go to one of the broadcasting companies. They went and tweeted. Bob Pockers and said, what do we need to do in order to make the playoffs? He responded and he was right. You know, it's just, it's one of those things and maybe that's just, you know, a, a tale someone made up. But it wouldn't surprise me. It, it's really incredible how much that guy knows. 
Anyways, off of the, the Bob Pockers hype train, as much as I like the guy, you know, I could do an entire episode on him. Maybe I'll have him on the show one of these days. I don't know. I'll, tr- I'll try for that. But we're getting to the point where it's time to start wrapping these things up. I'm going to head down to Stafford, and if you missed... Actually, I do have one more thing. If you missed the Wheel and Tour Mod race at Stafford, one, shame on you. It was on Fans Choice TV, but I heard that stream crash, so maybe not. But it was on NBCSN Wednesday night at 7 p.m. It was it was aired. And you might have heard some controversy. And where Doug... Co- where what happened is Doug Kobe led over 140 laps of the race. It's a 150-lap race. He led over 140 of them. We were at lap 143 when a caution came out, comes out, the first caution of the race. Every car except the top six are a lap down. So Doug Kobe comes in. He makes four pit stops. The rule is you can change one tire per pit stop at Stafford. So he changed both rear tires and the front right and made a stop for fuel. Other drivers only made three. They just changed the right sides or just the rear tires and didn't, you know, didn't take on much fuel, if any fuel at all. So, he actually, Doug Covey, ended up coming out sixth. He was the last person on the lead lap, but still, sixth place on the restart with a green-white checkered. Ron Silk made a three-wide move to take the lead. Ron Silk wins the race after Doug Covey dominated. What happens then is there's about five minutes between, because NBC has to get their shots, they get first dibs at victory lane and all that. But all they do is record the driver getting out of the car. So once they get that recorded, that's when the Stafford broadcast team goes in, they talk to the third-place driver, then the second-place driver, and then the first-place driver. So the announcer holding uh, holding the microphone, talking into it, they basically say something to the effect of, heartbroken Doug Kobe is here after an amazing run like that, you know, and basically... Told, basically implied for Doug Kobe to continue the conversation and talk about what happened out there on the track. And Doug Kobe was not happy about it being said that he was heartbroken. So he takes the mic and goes, well, first off, I don't get heartbroken. Heartbroken, I get expletive, expletive to the effect of very upset. And so the announcer pulls the mic away but this was caught on film. This was broadcast over the PA system with kids in the crowd. It was a full crowd at Stafford. A couple thousand people there. There's kids there and everything else. Well, that announcer was me. And, <laughs> yeah, um, imagine the situation that I'm in where I now have to play that off and go into the next segment with no preparation whatsoever, go talk to the next place driver. But that is something we never expected of Doug Kobe. We gave him plenty of time to cool off. We gave him, you know, he had water. He had time to think and everything. But he just, he blew off when he when a microphone was put in his face. And it it's, it's a 50-50 split on the internet on whose fault it was. Some people do say it's my fault, and I, I totally understand that. Um, I, I see it, and it doesn't upset me, like... Yeah, could I have gone about it differently? Maybe. Should I have not used the word heartbroken? Maybe. But I'm a first-year announcer. I'm still learning. That doesn't excuse it, but it, it gives some a human element to it. But at the same time, when you're on the PA system and your audio is being fed through fans' choice because they just take our raw audio feed and broadcast it, yeah, you got to be careful with what you say there, Doug. Um, so it, it was a whole situation... I, I went up to Doug afterwards, and I, I apologized to him. I said, hey, I'm sorry for cutting you off. 
But when that happens, I don't have a choice. I have a headset on, and they are yelling in my ear, as soon as something goes wrong, pull the mic. And that's that's what we're trained to do. We had another driver at the track start swearing over the PA. I pulled the mic on him. We had someone going after someone's sponsors. I pulled the mic on him. It's not, you know, it's not uncommon, per se, to pull the mic from someone. But for for someone as high profile as Doug Kobe, yeah, it was a first. But that whole situation is over. Um, I haven't heard from Doug. I wasn't really expecting to. But he did apologize for it uh, the night after or after that night and everything else. So it was a great race. Anyways, we are dragging on to the over 20-minute mark. So first and foremost, thank you so much for listening in to this episode of Bottled Up. If you are a fan, go ahead and follow on Twitter at Bottled Up Radio if you use it. I'm also on Facebook. If you are an iRacer like myself, go over to Midwest Motor Customs on Facebook. Get, help them out for a pretty, pretty fair price. It's about 10 bucks. You can get a bottled up paint scheme on any car of your choice. And it's a it's a it's a pretty good deal. Your name on the door and everything else, but it's a bottled up paint scheme. There's a couple drivers I've seen out there with them. And let me tell you, that is pretty freaking cool to go out there and see a a, a paint scheme of your show and it's like, wow, this is a fan. It's so cool. So if you're interested in that Midwest Motor Customs on Facebook, thank you all for listening in every week. It means more than I can say, and I absolutely love the fan interaction with you guys. But more episodes coming up. We've got some big plans in the works. I'm thinking Mikey Flynn. I'm thinking he's a SK Light driver over at Stafford Motor Speedway. I'm thinking Brian Tedeschi driving the number 22 Penske, um, I guess, Ford. Well, it is a Ford. But in the uh, E-NASCAR Heat Series, I'm thinking him. We got Malik Ray coming up. We still got the three, the big three iRacers coming on. Malik Ray, Anthony Alfredo, Christian Eckes. We're planning that episode out as soon as everyone's schedule sort of settles down a bit because for Anthony, it's really crazy. For me, it's really crazy because I'm moving back to college. For Malik, he's in the middle of the season, and Christian is in the middle of his season. So it's crazy for all of us, but we'll sit down and get that all figured out. But more good things to come, as you all know. So thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode of Bottled Up.